Well, if you haven't already opened your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, and then also John chapter 21, we'll have two passages of Scripture today. The spring of 1990, the end of my sophomore year at Hardin-Simmons University in Abilene, Texas, my roommate, Corey Mitchell, says to me, you know what, God's calling me into business. I'm going to be a businessman, and he is. He works for American Airlines. And he said, so I'm not going to need this book. You're going to be a pastor. Would you like this book? I said, sure. Never say no to a free book, right? It's A Harmony of the Gospels by A.T. Robertson. And if you don't know what A Harmony of the Gospels is, it puts parallel side by side the gospel text so you can see them. This was in the days before Google or computer programs that could do that sort of thing. As a matter of fact, this was originally written by Robertson in 1922, and the book I'm holding in front of you, even though it was purchased in 1989 at the Hardin-Simmons Bookstore, was copyrighted in 1950. But this harmony of the Gospels then shows where those passages of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are parallel to one another. And so I had an idea way back there in 1990 when my friend Corey Mitchell gave me that book, and that was, someday, I'd like to preach a Harmony of the Gospel sermon series to tell every story in the life of Jesus and to walk through Jesus' life with Him. So I served a church in Texas um, uh, for five years, and in the midst of that term, God made it quite clear to us that He was calling us elsewhere. And, you know... We dealt with that, but our hope, our prayer was that it would be the last church I would serve as pastor for the rest of my life. Not that I plan on dying or anything anytime soon, but that I would serve my entire career, the rest of my career as a pastor in one church. So I'll never forget, 15 years ago right now, I had just finished pumping gas in my car at the little gas station there in Venus, Texas, when my phone rings and it says Nebraska, and I'm like, I don't know who's calling me from Nebraska. I answer the phone, and it's Jim Miller. Jim, who was the chairman of the search team that helped to bring me to Southview and bring us together as a church family, was on the phone, and that was my first phone call with Jim Miller 15 years ago right now. And as I talked to Jim, and we talked off and on through the following weeks and eventually came up to interview and everything like that, my heart was, this will be the church I serve for the rest of my life. So when I ended up here, it wasn't too much of a stretch that somewhere down the road I said, okay, Lord, is it time to preach that Harmony of the Gospel sermon series? Because I knew in my mind it would take 150 or 200 sermons, maybe even more than that. Well, last week's sermon was number 197, so welcome to number 198, the final sermon in the following Jesus Sermon Series. Some of you are going, it's about time, Pastor. I started preaching this sermon series in September 2007, 13 years ago. As Pastor David said this week, I guess we're not going to be following Jesus anymore. He said it funnier than I could, but... No, we're still going to be Christ followers. We're just not going to be following Jesus in a sermon series. But my hope is it did exactly what I intended those many years ago when it came to my mind as a college student, that we would walk with Jesus through the Gospels and learn to walk with Jesus in our lives, right? And along the way, we've discovered some things about one another 
And we've discovered some new words and ideas from the term Christ followers, that we're not just Christians, but we're followers of Jesus. It's a lifestyle because we're apprentices of Jesus, his disciples, his students, and he's our teacher and our master, and we follow him. We've discovered that word otherish, that's agape love, it's God-powered, self-sacrificing, and other-focused. That's who we are as a church. And we are Christ followers, a noun, but we are in the business or the work of growing Christ followers, a verb. So here we are with this sermon series and concluding in front of us. And our scripture memory verse of the month, we'll put on the screen now. And that scripture memory verse of the month reminds us of all that Jesus has done, but also what is yet to come. Let's say that together. John 20, 30 through 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John 20, 30 through 31. And all God's people said, Amen. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for this journey you've led us on as a pastor and church family through these 13 years, off and on preaching through the gospel side by side to see what it was that you would have to tell us. And just as every message was timely in its time, we trust that your message today is timely for those of us that are here, that it will be a challenge once more to follow Jesus as we consider this topic of what Jesus has done so far. Lord Jesus, we know that you are not done yet. We know that it's only so far that we've seen these things completed in your life and in our life. And so, Father, we come before you today with following Jesus on our hearts and our minds, and we pray that you speak to us again. And it's in Jesus' name everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, hopefully you have your Bibles open there for you. Luke chapter 24, verse 44 will be our first verse today. But our first point on our outline is this, just like the Bible says. Just like the Bible says, and that comes from Luke 24, 44 and 45, and John 21, 25a. We'll get to John in a few minutes, but I'll just reference it now. Look at what Jesus said, or what it says there in Luke 24. He said to them, so that's Jesus speaking, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the Scriptures. Jesus says everything that was said about me is going to be fulfilled. And he says to make sure they understand that, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. He's saying, as far as you know, the entire Bible that was their Bible at the time, which we know as the Old Testament, all the books of the law, all the books of the prophet, and the Psalms, or wisdom literature, all those speak to me. And there are major prophecies about Jesus in each and every one of them. Some of them we know uh, quite simply, you know, that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem of a virgin. We know those. And we know some about his death, that he would be, uh, you know, terribly treated and uh, things such as that, betrayed. 
But did you know that there are over 400 prophecies of Jesus' birth, life, and death in the Old Testament that are absolutely impeccably clear that you can see from Scripture and see fulfilled in His life, although they're not all fulfilled just yet? So far, it's what Jesus has done. That Jesus says to them, I need, to under, I need you to understand, I'm going to explain it to you. And what's it say there in verse 45? Just like on the road to Emmaus, he opened their minds so that they could understand the Scripture. Now, this is a summary statement. We don't know how long Jesus talked. We don't know how long they asked questions. We don't know how long they listened that this conversation went on. But he was explaining to them, connecting the dots of here was the prophecy way back when, and here's how I fulfilled it. And I'm sure each and every time the disciples were going, I was there for that. Yes, I didn't even know it said that in Psalms. I was there for that. Holy moly, I didn't know it said that in the law. And again and again and again and again, Jesus is explaining, and their minds are just going, boom. Your question there asks, how thoroughly do I live as though the Bible is true? Jesus is saying to them, everything that was prophesied about me in what we know is the Old Testament came true. And it's God's word, and it's powerful, and God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I am the Messiah, and I am here to save all people. And those of us listening to my voice right now, the majority of us have trusted Christ Jesus as our personal Savior and Lord. And we would say, yes, I do believe the Bible, but I need to ask us this question. How thoroughly do we live as though the Bible is true? There's a saying that you might want to write down. I don't think I've used it in a while. That faith is choosing to live as though the Bible is true, regardless of feelings, circumstances, or cultural trends. Faith is choosing to live as though the Bible is true regardless of feelings, circumstances, or cultural trends. Now, that's not my saying. That goes to Campus Crusade for Christ and Bill Bright. Credit to that. No matter what I feel like, no matter what's happening in my life, no matter what I think, no matter what other people say, no matter what the news is saying, no matter what culture says, the Bible is true and the Bible is my authority and that's how I should live. By faith, which begs the question for us, how well do I live as though it is true? Just like the Bible says is our first point on our outline, your second point on your outline is for everyone who repents. For everyone who repents. Let's read on in verse 46, 47, and 48. He told them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance, uh, excuse me, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Jesus is saying to them, you saw what happened to me. You know what was prophesied in law, prophets, psalms. You saw it because you witnessed it with your own eyes. But there's a reason why I lived, and a reason why I died, and that reason, the why, is that repentance and forgiveness of sins to be preached to all nations. Now, time out. We're sitting here today, and we're in a different nation than Jesus was preaching in, 
And think about it. At the very moment that Jesus was saying this, there's this small band of believers with him, and there's others that would call themselves followers or disciples that are spread around the ancient Near East at the time, but that's it. And Jesus is saying to them, the not yet, the so far, the yet to come is still out there. That you guys are going to begin preaching to nations around here and they'll take it to other nations. And people from all nations will come to repent and be forgiven for their sins. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ suffered once for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God, into a personal relationship with God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. This is who Jesus is and what he has done for us. We live by faith. The Bible is absolutely true. Christ's followers must live by faith. And so we ask this question about our faith, and that is, how completely have I confessed and turned from my sinfulness? In order to live by faith, you've got to turn from self. And self, in its nature, in its flesh, is sinful. We desire, naturally, to do what is contrary to the will of God. And our sanctification, our following Jesus, our discipleship, our walking with Jesus over our lifetime is a process of becoming more like Christ and less like my sin nature. That you should be able to look at yourself now and look back over your life and say, hey, there are sins, there are habits, there are things that I dealt with then, but I'm no longer dealing with by thank God I am free. That Jesus has set me free and I've overcome those things and I'm more like Jesus today than I was yesterday or last year, or a decade ago, which asks that question for us, how completely have I turned? Have I confessed my sins? Repent means to turn. It's a change of heart. It's a change of mind. It's a change of direction. And it begins with you confessing or agreeing with God that what He calls a sin, you believe sin. So our text today tells us that it's just like the Bible says, For everyone who repents, and your third point, your third point is to Jesus who isn't done yet. It's just like the Bible says, for all who follow him in repentance, to Jesus who isn't done yet. What am I talking about here? Let's read verse 49 and following to the end of the chapter. Jesus says, I am going to send you what my father has promised But stay close in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. What's he going to send them? What's the power on high they're going to be clothed with? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's coming just in the book of Acts, right? Luke wrote this gospel. Luke wrote the book of Acts. And the Holy Spirit is coming in just a very short time. And Jesus is telling them, you're going to have the power to go on this mission, to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Even though you may not think you can, I know that you can because the Holy Spirit is going to inhabit you in order to enable you. Look at verse 50 through 53. When he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Can you imagine that? While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. 
And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. They went from fearful for their own lives and hiding out to being full of hope based on the message that Jesus had preached to them, even though they weren't yet full of the Holy Spirit as He ascended into heaven. Now, if you would turn to John chapter 21. John chapter 21, as we get these two concluding verses of John chapter 21 to finish our study, to lead us to this point that Jesus isn't done yet. He ascended into heaven, but He promised them they would be filled with power by the Holy Spirit so that they could be on mission in His name. And in turn, all who believed in Him could be on mission in His name and become Christ followers generation after generation after generation. And we are here today. Now look at John 21, verse 24. It reminds us of our Scripture memory verse of the month, John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, a summary statement, if you will, of what Jesus had done that we can't even contain it all. But look at verse 24 there, John 21, 24. This is the disciple who testifies to these things, John writing now, and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Who's the we he's talking about? His disciples, the church at Ephesus, those that knew him are all believers at all times. Could be a double entendre there, probably is. Verse 25, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. It took us 13 years at 15 sermons a year to preach 198 sermons for four books of the gospel. But can you imagine how long we'd be preaching if all of them had been written down? Jesus isn't done yet. How do I know that? Because you're in front of me. Because I know Christians, followers of Jesus all around this globe, who today still worship Him. And because I know on this planet there are still billions who have yet to trust Jesus as their Savior. There are thousands of people groups that have no gospel witness among them and no believer among them as far as we know. He's not yet done. So even though the Gospels report all these things that are done, He's not yet done. The question we have to ask ourselves is how fully am I committed to following Jesus? That's really a hard question. It's easy to be a cultural Christian here in Lincoln, Nebraska, where it's still okay to call yourself a Christian. And most people think it's all right and have a church background or something like that. But when it comes down to it, even in a place where cultural Christianity is easy, is it always easy to live as though the Bible is true regardless of how you feel or what you think or what's going on in our world? No, it's not. And it's getting tougher all the time. And then you add into that social issues and political issues and a pandemic like we've got going on and things just get more complicated. Friends, it's going to get even more complicated beyond this point. We've got to follow Jesus faithfully. Because it's Christ in us. Think about what Colossians 1.27 says. It says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. By His Holy Spirit, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Think about what Ephesians 3.20 says. That to Him, Jesus, who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all we ask or imagine, 
according to his power that is at work within us. The Holy Spirit at work within us. That Christ has given us the Holy Spirit in order that we might follow him throughout our lives, wherever it leads, however long we draw breath on this earth, that we might be fully committed to him. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your words. We thank you for the gospels. That through these years of our study together, have taught us, encouraged us, and challenged us. We know we won't stop following Jesus. It's just the end of a sermon series. And there's a whole lot more in this Bible to preach. So God, our Father, we pray now that the lessons we've learned through these years together and even the lesson today that Jesus isn't done yet because we are his followers and we are to be on mission for him that we would surrender whatever we need to surrender confess whatever we need to confess and obey you however we need to obey you And as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper today, Father, that idea of confession is chief in our mind. Your word tells us that if we eat this bread or drink this cup in a manner unworthy of the Lord, that's not worshipful. It tells us that we ought to examine ourselves and that we should confess. So, Father, as we prepare to worship you through this Lord's Supper, would we be humble before you in confessing whatever we need to confess, repenting and turning from whatever we need to repent from, a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of direction. God, our Father, we thank you that you are present among us today. And as we do these things in these moments ahead, we do them in remembrance of our Lord Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.